Welcome to Stumptown Soundcheck, our featured podcast today on our podcast co-op. This podcast is a production of Portland Radio Project in collaboration with Music Portland. Jamie Dunphy, your host, will guide you through the pulse of Portland's music scene, revealing its rich tapestry and exploring its significant cultural, economic, and societal implications. Whether you're a passionate fan of music, seeking to delve deeper into Portland's vibrant music scene, or a policymaker aiming to better understand the intersection of music and community dynamics, or simply someone who is curious about how music impacts our lives in more ways than we realize, this podcast has something for you. Welcome once again to Stumptown Soundcheck, and here's your host, Jamie Dunphy. Welcome back to Stumptown Soundcheck, our monthly conversation about the vital intersection of music and public policy. Portland is a music city, and Oregon is a music state. It's a finite, naturally occurring resource that we're lucky to have, and other cities are eager to emulate. But only recently have we learned exactly how much of an impact the music industry has on our local economy. For decades, people have moved to Portland, at least in part, because of our culture of music. Survey data has shown this repeatedly, People want to live in Portland because of our natural beauty, our access to the mountains or the coast, because of voodoo donuts and craft beer and marijuana, and because of the music and culture scene. Local employers actually tout the music industry when recruiting new employees as a demonstration of why they should want to live, work, and play in Portland. Thanks to the work of Music Portland and Music Oregon, the state legislature recently designated commercial music and live performance as, quote, emerging economic industries. And they paid for a study that would finally answer the question, how big is the music industry in Oregon? Turns out it's freaking huge. With me today to discuss this new report are Mara McLaughlin, executive director and co-founder of both Music Portland and Music Oregon. Hello. Sherry Jamison is a member of the Music Policy Council and was hired by Music Portland in 2022 to help run the Oregon Music Census, which was a key component of the data collection of this economic study. Hi, happy to be here. And Donna Green Salter is the Strategic Industry Projects Manager at Business Oregon, the state's economic development agency. Welcome, Donna. Thank you, hello. Mara, I'd like to get started with you. The economics of music in Oregon are serious business, which is something that you've been touting from the very beginning and part of why you founded Music Portland and Music Oregon. Would you tell us first a bit about your motivations for getting this study completed and then tell us what we learned? Absolutely. So I spent nearly 30 years in business development in the aviation industry, of all things, before quitting that to start Music Portland and ultimately Music Oregon. And that experience taught me that data is incredibly powerful as a way to tell convincing stories. And without hard data, it's almost impossible to communicate the true scope of our music sector to policymakers, funders, and other stakeholders. And the arts and culture nonprofit sector has known this for a long time and been reporting their numbers for years. But they have, to date, very pointedly only counted the nonprofit arts. So I'm thrilled for the first time to have a report about the for-profit music industry completed. It's just a start and a lot more study is needed and planned. But the biggest takeaways from the report 
is that even with multiple caveats acknowledging that there are data gaps because the industry counting systems used for every other industry hasn't evolved with the changing music industry. But even with those, the economists still confirm a whopping 3.8 billion, with a B, in economic output from Oregon's commercial music sector, plus another half a billion in offsite spending at other bars and restaurants and things surrounding live music activities. And for comparison, the last Oregon Arts Commission report of economic activity for all nonprofit arts and culture was $687 million, with an M, statewide. So with more than three-quarters of Oregon's professional music population in greater Portland and arguably a density of the music professionals here, it's reasonable to estimate that the Portland commercial music sector is generating at least $3 billion in economic output annually. And to give that some context, Travel Portland reports that the entire tourism sector in Greater Portland generates $5.2 billion in economic activity. We're seriously playing with the big dogs here. Unbelievable. So, Sherry, you were brought into the Music Portland fold specifically to help run the Oregon Music Census. First, would you tell us a little bit about your background and why you were brought in to help run the census and how the process unfolded? And what were some takeaways from that? Thanks, Jamie. So I am an arts and nonprofit management professional with over 10 years of experience in strategic planning, streamlining operations, and community outreach. I have a diverse skill set and am known for my ability to spearhead new initiatives and bring visionary projects to life. I love it. I have an entrepreneurial spirit. And I, being fairly new to the Portland area, I was drawn to the mission of Music Portland. So when I reached out to Mara in late 2022 to see how I could get involved, the census was just launching. So the timing and the need and my skill set were just a perfect match. And I'm so grateful that I dove in the deep end and got to uh, know this wonderful community. I think a very interesting part of the study was just how collaborative it was and how many different groups of people were involved. This was a real partnership between Business Oregon and the Portland State University Economic Department, as well as Music Portland and Music Oregon, and our whole community. One interesting aspect was the need to define and create a commercial music conceptual design, which includes the live performance industry as a subset of the larger commercial music industry. And we did this with the support of an industry advisory team of music professionals, venue owners, DJs, individual artists, across the board, just a huge amount of people. And for an industry that is shrouded in mystery, even to a lot of the folks in the industry, I think just that process, that aspect of the final report is really helpful. And that said, The Economist found it very challenging to define it as a whole because it doesn't conform to standard industry definitions or classifications and measurements. It overlaps and intersects in very complex ways because it's an ecosystem. And I think personally, what I found being one of the key communicators and contact points with the individuals who are taking the census and answering questions and putting the word out 
it's just, this is a beautiful community of very talented and dedicated individuals that need and deserve all the support we can give them. And to do that, we need to continue to advocate for more funding, for ongoing studies, better data collection, professional development and outreach to strengthen this very unique music ecosystem that we have and want to grow both in Portland and statewide. I'm glad you were brought into the fold and we're lucky to have you. And it's absolutely true. It's fascinating to hear all the ways these systems intersect and the ways that they do work for us and the ways that they kind of work against us. Donna, I'd love to hear from you about your experience working with Business Oregon on the Emerging Industries Project and how your team approached this project. As Sherry just explained, the live music and the commercial music sectors, live performance and commercial music sectors are not clean cut. And I assume that a lot of your work is also not very clean cut in figuring out how to support these folks. So what's your experience been and what these type of analyses are usually for? And what should we be thinking about to keep the ball rolling? Thank you, yes. And I would like to say that Sherry's take on her experience in conducting this project really helps affirm the faith and the work that I'm doing in trying to collaborate with folks out in the industry communities. And so that was very nice to hear. Just to explain how Business Oregon handles these kinds of studies, this one was a bit unusual. It was really kind of a dream come true for me. I have always been very involved in convening industry groups throughout my career, my 22-year career with Business Oregon. And I love the job because, number one, I learn so much from so many passionate as well as informed and experts in different industry fields. So I totally enjoy this job. And the legislature wanted Business Oregon to conduct some comprehensive market studies on industries that aren't necessarily Oregon's target industries or major industries, but they wanted to know more information about industries that are emerging so that we know where there are opportunities that exist that can help communities, not only within Portland, but throughout the state in the music and live performance industries. Now, those were two of the industry sectors we were asked to study. I also was given the task of conducting studies on cannabis, ocean resources, and blue economy, hmm. and also organic agriculture and organic food products. Now, I will tell you that all of these industries, one of the things they have in common is that they all see themselves as very unique. And sure. everyone is always challenged by trying to tell a statistical picture of an industry by looking strictly at NAICS codes. Mm -hmm. And really, it is more about not only understanding industries within NAICS codes, but understanding your community. And I think as Sherry so aptly pointed out, the ecosystem, because there are several industries that make up an ecosystem that really builds out live performance and commercial music. So just to give you a start, what we do is we then will look for an economist to actually head up these studies and they needed to be different economists. I couldn't have one economist working on all five of these reports. 
Sure. But there was a procurement process that we followed. And the Northwest Economic Research Center, which is part of Portland State University, and Dr. Jenny Liu was selected to actually conduct the study. And then Mira and Music Portland are really the folks that did the very essential survey that we needed in order to collect more information about those individuals participating in the industry. And I can't tell you how excited I was to learn about Mira (laughs) and the work that she's doing. I wish there were many more organizations that are evolving around industry ecosystems that have a partner that is really involved in collecting this kind of data and committed to it because they recognize the importance of having it. Another thing I will just comment on as well is that commercial industry picture that Jamie alluded to. Oftentimes we think of the commercial music folks as simply the creators or the professional musicians because after all, they're the ones that are really driving a lot of what happens within the industry. You've got the composers and the performers and the vocalists and lyricists and instrumentalists, etc. But beyond that is a huge industry that exists around the production of content, around distribution and marketing, and around the live performance industry. So those are all the things that our economists really wanted to study and gather data about. And I know that Mira will talk more about how she really managed to reach into all these pockets to gather information. Let's dive in a little bit more on that, Mira. You know, clearly we don't fit into a nice box because the boxes, as Don was saying, the boxes don't necessarily fit emerging trends. And that's why we are getting a little bit of extra attention. But we're also not the first music city, and we're also not the only city facing growing pains that may affect our music economy. How does Portland size up? compared to other major music cities or other major cities in general. And Mara, I'd like you to touch on this if you could. Yeah, so to give a sense of context, that you're absolutely right that there is a whole music cities movement happening right now. There are, I would say, more than 30 different cities that are involved in studies or investigating policy and approaches that they might take to support their music economies because they have recognized that they are vital aspects of a civic identity and economic viability and tourism viability. To give some comparisons, Austin branded itself in 1991 as the live music capital of the world. And at that time, they had fewer active venues than we had confirmed that Portland had just before the COVID shutdown. And they've dropped by more than half at this point. We have more venues actively working or did just prior to COVID. We're still in the process of reconfirming how many are still there and active. Nashville is Music City because it decided to be. So Music Portland, in really trying to quantify how big we are compared to other cities, we've confirmed, CD Baby has confirmed that nearly 14,000 unique Oregon acts release new music on their platform alone, which is only one of the ways music goes out, but all of that in the five years prior to COVID. 
And we've identified more than 700 businesses in greater Portland. That's everything from independent producers to CD Baby that employs hundreds of people. But of this, I definitely want to shine a light on the 140 Oregon instrument and gear manufacturers. More than half of those are based in and around Portland. But what's distinctive about our Portland manufacturing economy is that we can produce here a full equipment backline for music. Everything from drums and cymbals and cables and amps and guitars and basses and trumpets and tubas and stands and horns and everything you need to present live music. And I haven't found any other city that can do that. And I'm hoping that Oregon and our city really lean into this and acknowledge it as a unique industry advantage that we have and use it to attract other manufacturers to us to provide a receptive business climate for it. And I'm super excited to work with hopefully Donna and Business Oregon to keep going with that story, because I think we really do stand in some ways head and shoulders above other music cities, both those that are recognized and those that are attempting to define themselves. And it's really our moment to lose. To that exact end, I think that one thing that's exciting for me about this was the part of the Music Portland got to play and the Music Policy Council, which is all that we've been talking about, which is the intersection between public policy and the live music industry and the strategic ways that the elected leaders and business leaders in our community should be thinking about how they approach and support these industry and other industries like it. Sherry, I want to talk to you, you know, musicians are a bit of a, uh, an independent sort. <laughs> what, <laughs> what was the most challenging part of completing the census? I think some challenges is that our, and I don't know if this is specific to this community or just broadly music business professionals, is that we're, they're fiercely independent. And this particular study was asking for economic information. So information about income, employment, demographics. And one of the things we had to highlight over and over again in our outreach was that this study was anonymous, that any of the data that was going to be used would not be connected back to, to those business specific businesses in any way. So we really tried to highlight that because we came up against folks who had a real hesitancy about giving that data. However, it's so important to being able to quantify the impact, the economic impact and value that the commercial music industry and this sector as a whole is offering in our broader community. So I feel like part of our work and part of the great work that Mary's done so far has been trust building you know, to being a resource in the community to gather together and convene all these different players from within the music industry, to know that we're a trustworthy organization, that the ways in which we are working to tell their story is respectful and lifting them up and that they can trust us with the information that they provide. Yeah. So that was definitely one of the challenges and I guess from a personal standpoint, just reading through all of the comments that came through, 
there was a, an open-ended question at the end of the census survey that that actually was ended up being really helpful to the economists from the qualitative side to to gear some of their questions but it was just open-ended a way to to listen to hear what are the biggest challenges that our community is facing and also what ideas and solutions they had and that i feel like is one of the things that we as part of the music policy council are really here for is to identify and listen for what are those challenges and how can we come up with creative solutions so that open-ended question at the end highlighted honestly a lot of pain a lot of challenge especially coming out of the covid 19 pandemic people were suffering i think a lot of folks left the industry or or they're unclear about how they can make it sustainable so it just highlighted a lot of the frustration and the pain and we're hoping to garner all of that and bring forward positive, strategic, practical solutions. Yeah, Sherry's absolutely right. We need more study, but we definitely need the music community to swallow their hesitation about participating in anonymous data collection. Because the fact is, if you're not counted, you don't count with governments and funders, and they're the ones that are setting priorities. So. It's really important, this kind of evolving trust circle. And uh, we're keen that this first report is going to start to convince people of that. I'd like to just echo that as well. As a representative of the state, we really don't want to be gathering that information that's very personal from folks in, just in order to learn about them. This is why having this arm's reach relationship with an industry group and with economists to help put together a great story and also the kind of statistics that really add credibility to that story is so important. Donna, tell me a little bit more. How does Business Oregon think about these sort of reports? And more specifically on this exact report, like, have you heard from people about this yet? I imagine this isn't just a thing where it just gets emailed forward to people who voted on it and then just sits on a shelf for the rest of the time. How do you all think about these reports and what should we be thinking about as a next step from this? That's great. And that's a conversation I do try to have during the course of these projects because we were being asked by the legislature to provide the report. So in that sense, yes, it is delivered. Right. And where it goes from there with the different legislative members in order for them to make their business decisions that's really where industry becomes the driving force. Gotcha. You're the constituents and really need to use the information that's delivered to look at the good, bad, and the ugly and be able to say, what can we all agree on in terms of moving forward? So one of the things that came out of this report, I think, are some recommendations that I'll let the others speak for themselves how important this might be for industry. I can tell you that one of the things that is also coming out of this for my department is our ability to be able to talk about these emerging industries with business owners and private investment makers. As you say, they maybe are either looking at the music industry, live performance industry as just something that maybe attracts them to the area, or perhaps, and it's an industry they really, truly want to invest in. 
So one of the things that's coming up for me as a result of this work is that I will be putting together some promotional videos to really talk about the outcomes from these reports. So I will be working with this group again in order to prepare that piece of information, which we can use more publicly. I will tell you that it would do anyone who's listening probably a lot of good to go to oregon.gov forward slash biz. That's our webpage for Business Oregon. And then go to publications and reports and you will see a category for the emerging industries. And on that webpage, you're going to find summaries, the full report, information about what we did, more the granular information that you may be looking for. And we're going to make these reports also available, easy to navigate to them from our website too. Wonderful. I'm working with some amazing designers to actually transpose data from these incredibly rich, but arguably dense for the uninitiated to economic studies. So we're trying to make them very sort of easily digestible, some of the key facts. And Donna, I Mm -hmm. look forward to working with you to make sure that we're coordinating some of those stories because they're amazing stories to tell and they've never been told before. Very exciting. Wonderful. Were there any big other takeaways or surprises in this report that took anybody by surprise? Anything that we think as we are referring people to go read these relatively lengthy documents, what are some highlights? What are some surprises and what are some takeaways that folks can have as they think about this? This is Mara and I definitely was surprised by the labor data. In a state like ours that doesn't have sales tax, income tax is one of the main sort of ways that economic activity connects to state revenues. And this report validates that commercial music is contributing at least $64 million annually into the state coffers. And the other thing that was really exciting, a little gratifying, was that commercial music, as it's reported, which again is conservative because of the limitations of data availability, but this study reports that commercial music employs twice as many Oregonians as the cannabis industry. We employ more than the timber industry and more than the fishing industry. And that is not necessarily just counting all the musicians full and part-time. Those were numbers that came out of Bureau of Labor Statistics specifically as full-time equivalent employees, which means that the state earns more in income tax from commercial music than from those signature Oregon industries. So it's time for Portland and Oregon to get strategic to sustain and expand our music sector. And this data is absolutely essential to get us there. There's definitely something special here. And if we don't act intentionally, we're going to lose it. Well, we've reached the end of our conversation for today. I want to thank Mara, Sherry, and Donna for joining me to chat about the vital economics of music. I think it should be clear to everyone at this point that we're not talking about a nice-to-have feature of our economy. And it's incumbent upon our elected officials and business leaders to put their money where their mouth is and support the music industry like the vital economic sector that it is. Thank you for joining us this afternoon for a conversation about music. We'll talk to you all next month on the next Stumptown Soundcheck. I've been your host, Jamie Dunphy. Stay safe out there. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Stumptown Soundcheck on PRP's podcast co-op. 
We hope you've enjoyed our informative discussion on Portland's music scene and its significance in our society and economy. Stumptown Soundcheck is a production of Portland Radio Project in collaboration with Music Portland. Our episode was edited by Daniel Lin. Episodes air the fourth Sunday of every month. Until next time, stay connected to PRP and keep advocating for our vibrant music community.